A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Happy Pride Month. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I saw the best tweet this week, Dan. LGBT, let's get brunch together. (laughs) Is that what you'll be doing this Pride Month? Every day, every day. Brunch is gay rights. There's too many people around eating outside for my liking at the minute. Because we've had the year of that not being the case and then suddenly you can't move for people. Way to dampen the mood, Dan. Brunch erasure. Anyway, it's looking it's looking good for Pride Month on again and on gay, right? Yeah, Dan and I are nominated for two British podcast awards this year. We're nominated for Best Sex and Relationship and Best Entertainment. Yes. We're so grateful, mainly to our listeners, you, for believing in us, supporting us through Patreon and sending us messages, keeping us going. Like, we do this because of you. So thanks so much. James is... is- going to be on holiday when the awards happen. Not if we're going to win. I find it hysterically funny if you're not there and I have to accept it. It would be quite funny. I'd actually, I mean, to be honest with you, I'd choose to be on holiday just to see you accept two awards for an LGBTQ plus podcast. (laughs) I think that would be amazing. Let me know if you want any, uh, any tips for the speech. Thanks. I'll let you know. <laughs> what are you going to say? Well, whatever. I've, I've won awards before. Oh, really? I've oh, I've won awards stars. before, mate. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I'll be collecting that. <laughs> Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. All right, talking of Pride Month, welcome to Pride Month on a Gay Yay. and a Non-Gay. For the next five weeks, we've got some incredible guests from across our community to celebrate Pride. Next week, we're joined by two of the most iconic drag race stars in RuPaul's Drag Race history, Willem and Latrice Royale. Woo! Dan probably has no idea who they are, but he's going to love them. The following week, we welcome our first ever couple as guests. BBC Radio 1 presenter Adele Roberts is going to be joining us with her girl. Girlfriend, actress Kate Holderness. Really, really excited about that one. So that's our 249th episode. Yes, that's right. And then on the 23rd of June, 2021, it's our 250th episode. Yes. Get it in your diaries, guys. We've got an extremely special guest to celebrate that episode. Dustin Lance Black. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be doing things Dustin can't say. (laughs) I cannot wait to hear what Dustin needs to ask a straight man. And then to end the month, funny man Tom Allen is going to be in Woo! the house. Absolutely hilarious guy. And today we're joined from New York City by Franco Stevens. Now, Franco is the founding publisher of Curve magazine, formerly De Nerve, which was the world's first magazine exclusively for lesbians. She's the subject of a new film called Ahead of the Curve, which tells the story of the magazine. And it's out in the UK this Friday, June 4th. So today we're talking to Franco about why she founded the magazine, the incredible story of how she managed to fund it, how she used to live in a car, some of her appearances on national TV having to defend the very existence, basically, of lesbians, and how she's got this incredible strength to battle her disability. We're also going to chat about the Curve Foundation and what they're doing to empower lesbian, queer, trans women and non-binary people and you can find out more info at thecurvefoundation.org and honestly i love this episode it's some fierce femme power lesbian energy to start pride month here's franco a gay and a non-gay i started the magazine because i wanted it for myself um which is a great way to fill a need find find something that you'd like out there and then you know seek to make it happen and i think too too often 
things seem too big and too daunting and that's why they don't get done. So just shortly before I decided I wanted to make this magazine, I was actually homeless and I was living in my car. My parents had uh, a really hard time with my coming out and you know didn't really want anything to do with me. And I was married to a man then. And I just decided, you know what? I figured out I'm gay and I'm just going to just going to leave. And uh, my parents weren't very happy. So they they were unwilling to help me. So I lived in my car. Then I started working at a gay and lesbian bookstore in San Francisco's Castro district. When I was working there, a lot of women would come in and ask for the information that I thought should exist in a magazine. Then I decided one day, oh my gosh, I should just do this. You know, I was 22 years old and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. So I went to the bank with my little business plan and my fancy little dike suit. And, (laughs) you know, it was, it was 1990 and the banks just pretty much laughed me out of there. They're like, "Eh, no, it's a recession. Magazines are failing left and right. And we're not giving you a dime. Okay. I'll go to some rich lesbians. So I went to an organization in San Francisco that I thought had rich, rich lesbians. And I went to one of their socials and, it, you know, I was more apt to get a date than I was to get even, you know, $20. So when I realized that I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get this money? Okay. I'm going to apply for a bunch of credit cards because back then there wasn't the internet. The, you know, if you applied for a bunch of credit cards, it didn't go on your on your record for like a few days because they had to mail it to the wow yeah they had to mail it mail it in to the credit unions and so i cashed i maxed them all out and then i was like all right i still don't have enough money i'm going to go to the horse races yeah how much money did you spend on the horses Nineteen thousand and change and how much did you win i came out of there with sixty eight thousand dollars wow which was enough for the first three editions of the magazine please gamble responsibly if you're listening oh Um, yeah that that was crazy (laughs) you came back with a lesbian empire though i mean that is something it was a start to a lesbian empire you know it was really amazing when i was working in that bookstore and i got the money i just put up a sign that said in the window that said writers and photographers wanted for new lesbian magazine and I got hundreds of calls in the first month. I think it was like 300 calls. Wow. If we needed an editor, an amazing yeah. editor just called me. And uh, same with a graphic designer and uh, photographers. And, you know, it, it just seemed like women were hungry for it. So, Franco, you started this because lesbians were not represented in mainstream, in mainstream media. Are they now? I think it's a start. I think that there are stories out there now that show lesbians and queer women and non-binary people in their natural element in every story. Back then, it was like if you saw queer people in media, they were like the killers, the outcasts, the, you know, maybe you'd get a coming out story. It's a lot different now. And I'd like to think, you know, 30 years of Curve Magazine and close to 30 years of Diva Magazine had something to do with that. There's a lot of moments of learning for me as a gay man, too, because I think gay men have a lot of privilege or gay white men. We have a lot of privilege. One of the things that I, I suppose I didn't really know is how painful it could be to some women to be called a lesbian because that word had been basically co-opted by straight men. I think it's all about intention and who's saying that, you know, if somebody calls you a fag and it's your, you know, your best friend, you'll be oh, like, like yeah. Hey. But if somebody, <laughs> you know, rolls down the street and throws a can at you and yells fag, it's a different meaning, right? Mm. Um, you know, I'm older than both of you. And I remember the reclaiming of the word queer, because that used to be like the biggest taboo. You would never call anybody queer because that was like so demeaning. And, you know, with the start of Queer Nation, 
um, I think you're like, yeah, we're just going to reclaim this word. And, you know, uh, one thing I was unsure about was whether the community still embraced that word lesbian or not. And I think it's gone up and down in acceptance. And I think, you know, there's a lot of women out there that do embrace that term. But again, it's all about intention and who's calling you that. Do you embrace that term? Do you? I totally uh, embrace that term. I mean, I kind of wish there was another word because I feel like I fit under the queer and lesbian and dyke. For me, it's all interchangeable. Um, And I know people have problems with all those words, but I don't. I have a friend that really hated being called a lesbian and preferred to just be called gay, which I understood. But I guess I didn't realize the impact of of straight men on that, which is what I think I learned from the film. Yeah. And, you know, there's a there's this website that started out, God, so long ago. Um, It's called lesbian.com. And uh, it is a lesbian site. And, you know, I know that big companies have come to them with millions of dollars wanting to buy that URL because who goes to that site? It's like guys looking for lesbian porn. Wow. I mean, it's. Dan is the straight man on our podcast, by the way, if you can tell by his awkward laughter. <laughs> Happy Pride from a gay and a non-gay. Hey, Dan, what did you think when you watched the movie? I, I, I thought it was incredible. Do you know what really stuck out to me? When I used to go on holiday to America as a kid, I used to think that Geraldo was like the biggest legend ever. I didn't know anything about him, clearly. But recently watching archive of him, especially the archive in the film, I just think this guy is a massive tool. Can you remember being on, on that show? Oh, yeah. The audience asked some pretty stupid questions. You know, you're obviously a strong advocate for lesbian rights, and you've mentioned that you'd someday like to have a child or children. How would you raise a child? Could you be neutral? I'd raise a child as a child should be raised in a loving family. I wonder if you can give the child options. What she's saying is, and we're skirting around it, she's saying that you're going to propagandize and brainwash the child into being gay like you. On that note, what's the most dumb thing, um, I guess, a straight person or anyone has like asked you as a lesbian? Oh my gosh, that is so great. And no one's ever asked me that question. Well, definitely, which one of you is the man? Complete strangers asking you what you like to do in bed. Wow. <laughs> what do you say to that? Just out of interest. <laughs> um, yeah, Sleep. I think it's better left unanswered. <laughs> you know? How do you think then this is a question for both like Dan and I, me being gay and Dan being straight, we can both be better allies to lesbians. Oh yes. Everyone could be better ally to lesbians, including lesbians. I think lesbians kind of feel like they're the fighting for everything that they want. Like if gay men get something, then that takes from us. If transgender people, you know, get something it's taking from us. If straight people get something it's taking from us and, you know, to, to just show your love, be supportive, not feel like if something, somebody gets something it's taking away from you. I think that's super important. And from the straight perspective, for one, don't say you have lots of gay friends. That's not appropriate. Um, Don't assume somebody's pronouns. Ask what they want to be called. Like me, I like to be called she, her. But somebody else who's presenting like me might want to be called they, them or he, him. Um, Treat people as they want to be treated, not as you would like to be treated. The magazine uh, is latterly called Curve, but it used to have a different name, but you had to change it because 
uh, because of a legal a legal case. I don't know whether you're allowed to comment on that or whether it will just set the whole thing off again. <laughs> well, it is part of the public record. Um, right, sure. The, the magazine is called Curve now and used to be called Deneuve. That's part of public, public record. And um, we changed the name in, I think, 1996. You know, the bottom line is I could sue you both for tons <laughs> of stuff, whether it was founded or not, and you'd have to pay to fight me. Wow. Pay to the point where you have no money left. Pay to the point where you, you know, decide to throw your hands up and either, you know, just claim bankruptcy or just say, you know what, this is enough. What do you want? And I'll give it to you. But mostly who wins is the attorneys. Filing fees in two different countries. And, you know, the only reason why we survived that is because our community came behind us and supported us. And that's the bottom line. That's why Curve Magazine is around today. Our subscription numbers were rising. Our newsstand sales were great. We're starting to get national ads. Things are really good. And then one day, this letter arrived at the door. A lawsuit. The air just went out of everything. Like, I find it so funny that you didn't realize at all that you were gay. Here's what happened, actually. I was in uni and I was in a class, huge auditorium, like 800 people, a class called Variations in Human Sexuality. And it was like the first week they covered gay and lesbian stuff. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, my God. And I was married to a man. But how did you at that moment go, oh, my God, like you must have seen women that were attractive before. Or did you just just kind of like dismiss it? I had no idea. But then looking back on my life, I was like, oh, my God. I had a huge crush on my soccer coach. Oh my gosh. Like all the <laughs> girls on my softball team, they're all gay. <laughs> You're like, what a waste of time. What have what? I been doing? Right. And, you know, I was just so clueless. And I, I do feel bad because, you know, I wish I would have figured it out earlier because I put my ex-husband through hell and my, you know, my family had just paid for a big fat Jewish wedding and uh, they were not pleased. Do you think that benefited you in a way? Because if you'd have grown up knowing you were gay and feeling all of the shame of being gay, would you have been as ready to like be a force of nature in the world of queerness? Whereas actually because you hadn't realized you were able to come out without giving a fuck or am I God, wrong? God, I love you. Oh, <laughs> okay. I do. I mean, I have never thought of it like that, but you're probably right. It's like some of the great, I'm not comparing myself to great writers, but they do their best work and songwriters too, when they're like down in the dumps, you know, I'd hit pretty much hit rock bottom. If I didn't have that car to sleep in, I would have been sleeping on the streets with the barrage of other gay and queer kids that were dumped out in San Francisco's Castro district. You know, their family would just drive there and kick them out of the car and say, fuck you, go be with your people. No, it was just like, I didn't have anything to lose. I'd already been down a pretty hard road. You've obviously got a, an amazing fighting spirit and it feels like you really come out of your, you know, you really thrive in, in conflict. I think that's fair to say, you know, I was uh, an amateur boxer, so I definitely <laughs> wow. know a little bit about the fight. And, you know, my life motto is don't take no for an answer. So the more you tell me no, the more I'm going to try and figure out how to make it a yes. What's the most recent thing you've really fought for? Well, um, I'm disabled now. I hurt myself on the job and not being able to walk um, and living in constant pain. I think that's the greatest struggle that I deal with today. There was a chance I couldn't do this uh, interview because yesterday 
I was in too much pain to even lift my head off the bed, which is a sad thing for me. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of people out there that, that suffer with, you know, physical and mental problems. Um, and just getting, you know, getting the day started is, is difficult. And hopefully in this movie, they'll see a little representation of themselves. Living with constant pain is one of the hardest things I've ever had to fight. Having gone through all this stuff, living in pain and living in your car and all this, all this stuff, what advice would you give to our listeners who, who live in their cars or have been kicked out or are disabled and really struggling? What, what would you say to them? I would say that, you know, the old saying, it gets better. Uh, it does get better. I mean, if you are in a really hard place that there is community for you, you know, there is somebody to get your back. You might feel really alone right now. Um, but there is help and there's support. And if you can find one friend that has something in common with you, that person can be, you know, enough so that you can get through. So I don't know if you know the itgetsbetter.org site, but they have a lot of people on there telling their stories about how things were at their worst and how they managed to find, you know, happiness. Things might suck right now, but if you can just hold on, they, they will get better. Magazines like yours and also Diva that we talked about um, are so important. And we need those pockets of representation for every single member of the LGBTQ plus community. What is the future for print magazines like Curve? Do you see those spaces still existing in 10, 20, 50 years? Well, the space for Curve magazine, I think we're at a, So what happened was 10 years ago, I sold the magazine to another pub, lesbian publisher uh, because of my, um, my, my pain and my disability. And she did a great job with it. And then she was ready to sell it. And so we've actually uh, started the Curve Foundation and bought the magazine back and donated it to the foundation. Right now, it's undecided whether Curve will be print or on the website. Right now, we have a great kind of retro uh, website at curvemag.com. And we have a new executive director that just started for the Curve Foundation. And whether we print or not is still up in the air, but we will continue to tell lesbian and uh, gay women's stories. And that's the mission of the Curve Foundation. So our first things we're going to do um, with the foundation are we're archiving 30 years of Curve and Danube magazines so that they can be searchable online. What a great narrative to 30 years of lesbian culture. Thank you so much. Tell me again how you two are connected. Dan, your girlfriend was... Yeah, so my, my girlfriend... Who, best friend? Yes, and she's also our producer. She's British, and we were together, and then she's, she went to New York, uh, to cut a long story short. And uh, while she... You're, st- you're still together, though, not past tense. We're still together, yeah. <laughs> Although I haven't seen her at this point for, like, 15 months because of... Oh my gosh, that's so hard. Um, So yeah, she's in New York. And uh, yeah, she said to me and James, you guys should do a podcast together. And that was, what, five years ago now? Yeah, nearly 250 episodes. I love the idea. I didn't know about it before, but now that I'm on to you guys, you're not getting rid of of me. Uh, Thanks for listening, babes. Do the admin and support Gay and a Non-Gay. Visit gaynongay.com slash donate.